We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, everybody? Before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle is a brand new program here at Blue Wire where you can host your very own podcast. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take their podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discords, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll get your stuff all pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all those good places. The listening platform is all out there. And you can get all of this for $15 a month, the same rate any other hosting site will charge you um, just for initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Hey, yeah. I feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you on a Monday evening, which is somehow both... Less than 24 hours since the Minnesota Timberwolves fired Ryan Saunders and two hours after those same Minnesota Timberwolves had an introductory press conference for their new, ho- new head coach, Chris Finch. Um, I 100% do not have my head wrapped around the, this at all. Um, it's come very fast, and I'm at peace with that. Uh, this is – I just feel like this is going to be something that we figure out as as we go. Who Chris Finch is, what the Timberwolves are with Chris Finch – we do not have all the answers, but because the Timberwolves play again in a real basketball game in less than 24 hours, I feel like today on February 22nd, we kind of have to plant a flag of just kind of where the where the hell we're at with all this. And I mean, hiring a new head coach is obviously about basketball, um, 
But I also really feel like this move is sort of just a, a referendum on the just presidency of Gerson Rosas as the president of basketball operations for the Timberwolves. Um, this is, to me, just as much about the, the state of the franchise as it is anything. And I can't think of a better person to talk about the state of the franchise with than the president of, of basketball operations for com, Kyle Tige. Kyle, how are you? Are What's you up, okay? Dude? What's up, dude? Yeah, I'm doing well. This is, it's less fun. Last time we did one of these was, uh, was it right after they won the lottery? I can't remember. because you were pretty out, close. Yeah, I was out, in Portland. Yeah, yeah, you were out here visiting. It was way more fun doing this in an Airbnb, but um, doing it over <laughs> Zoom. I'm glad to see you. There's a couple topics to talk about. I was. <laughs> you texted me One before. The, you texted me that we we're going to do 90 minutes on Jade McDaniel. So this seems like an intervention, but um, but no, there's there's some things to talk about. Like I said, we had a. It's been a slow grind of just close, inevitable losses. Um. And last night, I think you and I were both ready to just do a quick, you know, recap. You podcast, me writing, and uh, kind of get ready for the week. And then all of a sudden, I'm guessing both of our phones, as many who are listening to this, was just nuked by Woj and, you know, John Kay and uh, Shams. And it was just all of a sudden, it was like, what? And like I said, then, you know, as we're going to get into it, it's like not only was Ryan gone, which was the inevitable step, um, things that you and I kind of, you know, we talk, talk offline and stuff. Uh, but I, I didn't, I didn't see them going like, Hey, you know, we're breaking up with this person and we're actually going a table over at the restaurant and here's our new boyfriend or girlfriend. It's like, Whoa, what the hell? Like, so that was, that was wild to me. If you like weren't seeing the Woj notifications in real time and you caught up on them, you're like, wait, we just got rid of one guy and we have a new one. So, um, yeah, no better time than now. It seems, I know we have like about 10 days until the all-star break. Um, that's going to kind of feel like a good reset i think because the team will probably a good time to get a new coach <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so it's you know it, it's kind of a weird as they talked about in the in the press conference today uh it's a weird time to do all this but again dude like think of all the weird i mean i wore a mask today at the gym and now i'm talking to you via zoom and then i'm gonna have chick-fil-a delivered like it's a weird time in general so this is the best way to to do this so it is it is and I think obviously I talked with Britt last night it was more of an instant reaction sort of thing. Just like Ryan's gone. Okay. Chris Finch is in. Who is he? Um, like, why did this happen? And, and I, I'd kind of like to today, uh, if, if you are all right with this, it's just to kind of like, um, I think it's, it's kind of important to pin down some of the characters in all of this, which are obviously, I think the two main ones right now are Gerson Rosas and Chris Finch and, you know, who they are, what their stock is, and just kind of how much we believe in them or, or the fan base believes in them um, right now. But also, you know, changing changing your head coach is, you know, is a, is a move that's going to have a massive impact on Carl Anthony Towns, DeAndre Russell, Anthony Edwards down the line. Um, I think the word I kept using last night with Britt was that this is going to be defining. Uh, this is This is going to be the the defining end of the Carl Anthony Towns era, or it is going to be the window that bridges into the next era with Carl Anthony Towns and, and how this all sort of plays out, how good of a hire Chris Finch is, is obviously going to have a massive impact on Gerson Rosas, Carl Anthony Towns and the Minnesota Timberwolves franchise. So I just kind of want to, you know, move through these guys 
I feel like you have a very good pulse of um, not only the ins and outs of what's going on, but also uh, just the pulse of the fan base. And and so I guess that's kind of my first question to you is, you know, as we sit here, where where do you think people are at with Gerson Rosas specifically? Because I think he's he's kind of the head of the snake here. Yeah, I mean, I think I think starting with him is probably better than starting with Glenn because technically you would say he's the maybe the head of the snake, but there's really not much to say about him, you know. Um, and I think we'll probably touch on him at every level of this yeah, little true. agenda. But yeah, I mean, with Gers, you know, uh, I tweeted this out today, but it's been 664 days since he took over, which is like a wild number, right? Um, and a lot of the national stories today, or even local stories, or you know, people in the fan base are starting to say. Um, because Ryan was well loved, you know, like I'm not going to go on my soliloquy. You and Britt did it better than anyone. Um, but when I went to cover games pre pandemic uh, and you kind of big brothered me around, you introduced me to Ryan. He is a great guy. It's great. It's fantastic. But I kind of just want to talk about like basketball and winning and business. Cause those are my key points. And with Gers, um, it's been almost two years, uh, two years this, this spring. And he, I think the pressure was finally on him. Like, you know, he, it, it it didn't feel like, and we're not going to beat the same topics over and over, but it didn't feel like when Ryan was brought in that that was his guy. Um, they they did wide searches, you know, they did, you know, they brought in a lot of different people. Um, but we all kind of knew that what was going on, right? Like he, he might have had a mandate or whatever to to bring Ryan in or keep Ryan on. Um, and maybe he parlayed that into like, okay, fine, but then you have to give me more leniency with the roster. You have to give me some more leniency with like paying the luxury tax. Um, and things got weird. I mean, Ryan was dealt a bad hand. You've already settled this, but, uh, but when the pandemic hit, you know, and then the, the weird off season delay, no training camp and stuff, um, it was kind of fun for a while. Then they have COVID and they have injury and stuff. But my whole thing with Gers is that these last three to four weeks have just been miserable basketball. It's just been miserable. Like it's, we talk about this offline, you and I, but like the toxicity of any time you and I post things or God forbid, like the Timberwolves, just fire Ryan, fire Ryan, fire Ryan. It was just so toxic. And the basketball product on, on the court wasn't getting any better. And I think Gers finally had to make a move. This was his guy all along. And I'm sure you're going to kind of piggyback on me on this, but um, this is the guy he wanted, right? Like he did a search and this is the guy he wanted. You've been on this for like four months that if Ryan was ever out, it would be Chris Finch. Um, And that's, I think, I think Gers started to feel the heat. That's my end of spiel is like, he felt the heat and he needed to make yeah. a guy. And if you don't like how Ryan was handled, I respect that. I have some takes, but uh, this is his guy. And I don't think Gerson Rosas is going to have another hire. Like, I think this is his guy. And if it boils down and it doesn't work, they'll both be gone or Rosas will be gone. And then a new GM will and hire Chris Finch, you know, like how that cycle works. But every president of basketball operations, football operations, hockey operations gets a chance to hire their guy. And this is the moment we're at now. This is what he's doing. Yeah. And it's uh it's an interesting tactical move, if that is all true, that, you know, he didn't hire him in 2019, right? He he opted to not hire Chris Finch and, and keep Ryan Saunders for a list of different reasons that have, you know, varying degrees of truth to them. Um, but ultimately, I think what it feels like right now, which was was kind of an assumption for a lot of people all along, is that, you know, Ryan was just going to kind of be here to depending on your shade of cynicism to foster in the youth movement or you know to eat up all the losses like 
I think Gerson Rosas had a plan all along that was going to be lengthy. They they wanted to have the longest view in the room. They wanted a, a, a big picture approach here. And with that, um, when you do that in basketball, the way it's constructed, it's beneficial to be bad at the beginning of that. And you parlay that together with the, the fact that, you know, you had some bad contracts on the books and Teague and Jang and Wiggins, whatever, at the beginning. And, and I think he just said, well, no matter what, we're probably going to be bad the first two years. That's the most likely scenario. I don't think – I don't have a shade of cynicism dark enough to say no matter what there was, you know, Ryan's head was getting chopped after two years. I don't think that was the no matter what situation. I think if, you know, somehow last season as the Wolves started off really good, right, they were 3-0 and and then 10-10. and If they're – if they make get the five seed last season and everything's great, you know – Maybe the Chris Finch move never happens, and and the Wolves kind of start building more linearly rather than um, the kind of exponential tack they've taken. But I think it would be naive to say that the front office didn't think that this was a likely scenario all along when they hired when when he took the job. It's the same thing of I think back to the D'Angelo Russell press conference, and <laughs> and and Rosas was asked. When did you, when did you know you needed, you needed to change the whole roster? The first day I got there, he said, and I wanted that point guard as he pointed at D'Angelo Russell, and he didn't say that today with Chris Finch, but you know actions speak louder than words. I, I think by hiring Chris Finch in the fa- in the fashion he did, it, I think it's the same thing. You know, I wanted that guy on on day one, and and here we are. It's it's day six sixty four, <laughs> and and you know you prop me up here because I've Venmoed you before this, but saying that I have the the pulse of the fan base, but I think the thing that really irked me he did not as, Venmo me as, as someone clear. who you know as someone who's been cheering for this team for okay I'm thirty two so let's say twenty five years or whatever um is that and I joke with you all the time people have heard me say this on other pods but like I don't give an f who's on this roster who coaches the team, who owns the team. I would just like them to be the Minnesota Timberwolves, 15 Luke Ridenhours on the roster. But if they can win 50 games, like, come on. They're the wor- it is not lost upon me that they are the worst franchise in professional, like, male sports. It is, right? Like, they just, they have the lowest winning percentage. But I think the thing that irked me with this Ryan thing is, like, yeah, it, like, you and Brad already did it. But, yes, Ryan was dealt a bad hand. Like, that, that, that happens, right? But I don't know, man. So were a lot of like sports journalists during the pandemic and they all lost their jobs. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a numbers game. I have friends out here that own a restaurant and they were dealt with a bad hand and they lost their, like that stuff happens. And I think it's kind of comical. Some of the words that have been thrown around, like the same words I see on law and order before I go to bed every night, like premeditated and set up like these criminal words where it's just like Ryan was dealt, you know, if this is chopped, Ryan was given four really half-assed ingredients but he didn't really make anything with them and like when you watch what indiana does with their rookie coach or what taylor jenkins does in memphis those two guys also got shitty boxes of food and their team has 12 13 14 wins and has a style so you know so to kind of Uh, kyle kyle that's fair but it's not i also think it's unfair to dismiss the notion that this was just all 
business as normal. This wasn't business as normal. This no, isn't no, how this normally goes. No, but They're, it's business as normal for the Timberwolves, right? Because this is what they do. Like, it's not lost on you and I that sure, they're always going to be. Sure, but that doesn't excuse it. Like, there can still be – Ryan could certainly deserve to no longer have the job and can be bad at cooking food, which I think we both agree he is. Um, I, I moved to that later on in the process than you and many others did, but I don't think Ryan Saunders was good enough to be an NBA head coach right now anymore. I, I, that's just a fact, I think, we, we, we moved to. But at the same time, it might not be premeditated, but it's kind of weird. Like, I, oh, I think we – I can't I – th- It's ruthless. I think there's there, – there's okay, okay, there's – that's kind of a law and order word, and I just wanted to make sure we're not deleting all of those from the lexicon <laughs> no, it's... Of, of adjectives because it feels it feels it feels ruthless. Hun- and that is hun- what it is. Like we're gonna move on, but like, yeah. But but so but but so let's. This is the topic we want to talk about right now, or this is the phrase, right? Country club. That's been a theme, right? Like so many people. I've heard of it. Critics. So so many people have criticized Glenn Taylor's male professional basketball team for being a country club and rightfully so but that just kind of means like this system of once you're in your family and you're kind you know you just get special privileges and all that stuff um and they've been criticized for it for decades rightfully so but it's just weird to me and it's that whole concept of keep that same energy where they have this new person who did something completely uncountry club like and did a ruthless thing that i'm okay calling it like it was Again, we just talked about how weird it was to see both of those transactions happen within seven minutes of each other. But I just have a problem with shitting on the country club motto for years and years and years. And now also shitting on how Gerst did this. When it's like, I will admit, I will my hands are literally raised on Zoom that it was shady. But it was also really shady how the Boston Celtics handled Isaiah Thomas, right? It was also really shady how the Los Angeles Lakers literally put their young players out on the curb of Staples Center and said, please come pick them up. We need Anthony Davis in season. (laughs) Like, you know what the good teams do? They do some shady shit. They do some ruthless moves because at the end of the day, it's about winning. And like I said, I'm, I like, I'm not allowed to say that word, but I hear you. Winning. (laughs) (laughs) That one's off too. No, Uh, no. It's just that that's my thing is like, it, the, the Timberwolves and I, I said this earlier today. Like they handled this the only way they could, and that was messy. No, and 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 I think I I know that they are expecting blowback and have felt blowback, and they should get um, it. And and quite frankly, that press conference today was uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> holy cow! You know that was awkward. It was. It is so funny because in my head I'm the last big press conference was the one at city center for D'Angelo Russell. And, you know, I'm walking in there and there's, you know, thousands of people that are like lined up and they got the subwoofers going and it's a, it's a Timberwolves party. Like, here we are. This is the Gerson Rosa's made a big move moment. And it's funny because Gerson Rosa's made another big move today. And I felt like I was streaming law and order like on on my zoom it, it was i mean talk about ruthless and i don't even put a, a bad connotation on that word in general to in terms of gerson or to the reporters i mean reporters ruthlessly went after um 
the hiring process. <laughs> the hiring process, the firing process, the yeah, the, the, the everything about it. And and Rosa's just I don't think he saw that coming because I mean, he was getting pretty blasted for the the lack of diversity um in in the hiring in the whole hiring process with David Vanderpool not getting the move and going on, you know, to a hire a white man in in Chris Finch and I do not think Christian Rosa's you know, saw that coming and people can, you know, think what they, they want about the the whole hiring and firing process. But the one thing I know about Gerson Rosa's with a bullet is that that dude cares as much about inclusion and diversity as anyone else. So I think he's just sitting there on this day where I think he's personally feeling excited about Chris Finch coming in and a new window and this and that. And he's getting labeled as, you know, or feeling like he's being labeled as somebody who isn't inclusive and is is ruling out a black head coaching candidate. It was just well, he he's thinking it was awkward. He's thinking because his whole thing was is like basically what they said today was they just went back to the 2019 files and took the coach that you know the, the next best coach they had right because the 2019 when they went and interviewed a bunch of people they interviewed really strong minority candidates. They interviewed Dwan Howard, David Vanterpool. Darvin Ham, like they interviewed, I mean, they're, they're front office black. Yeah. yeah. Like they, and again, those coaches have gone on to like Juwan Howard's like a top seven college coach right now. Um, I do think he was blindsided. It was a great, it was a great couple of questions to start off with Chris Hines, but like, I, you know, this goes into a whole nother chapter of our, of our book about how, you know, front office people are sometimes dis they're not as plugged into a fan base as we are, but that they, they don't, they shouldn't be right. It can be so toxic, but, um, I imagine Gers, like you just said, like who is Gers's number two? Sashin Gupta, right? right. Like a, a young Indian man. Who's like his number three? I can't say his name, but who's the guy from Italy? Gianluca Pascusi. Right, but I mean, so like he, he, they have done a good job of being diverse and inclusive, like in, in their, in their front office. But I think he didn't see that one coming. I don't think he saw Rachel Nichols I doing a whole jump segment on it. I didn't even see the jump segment, but I can. They had Kendrick Perkins on there, so you can imagine that it got pretty uh, heated. Well, I won't be going back and watching. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, today has really like honed into focus for me for some of the reasons you know you brought up and and the things that were written by you know major national media platforms and all those sort of things. It's like. Yeah, like Gerson made this move, and now the heat is hot under his butt right now, and and that's you know that's just something he's he's gonna need to deal with, and that's part of being a president of basketball operations. When you know, if you're gonna acknowledge out of you know one side of your mouth that we had to fire Ryan Saunders because we have the worst record in the league, then you got out of the other side acknowledge that you put together a roster that made the worst record in the league too so I think you know I think he knows all these sort of things and and this was if he was taking the long view the long gamble if this was all in fact premeditated then you know this is this is some of the baggage that con- kind of comes along with that this is kind of some of the baggage that might come with you know they lost a good handful more games here in the first half of the season and there's some there's some positive externalities to that right like now their odds are probably a little bit better than, than they would have been. But there's negative externalities too. And I know, again, and 
we keep referencing our off the record, you know, text conversations, <laughs> you know, that that's something, you know, we've always talked about is there's a, there is a cost to that. There's always a cost to losing because there is always, you know, the engagement of the fan base. And even those within the fan base who understand the lottery odds, who think of it in that way and are, are looking at this as a process, even those people became fatigued in this, in this losing process because I don't know how to put this more bluntly than the fact that it, for 664 days, it has not felt like the Timberwolves are trying to win. And, and that will grate on, on, on the fan base. And that will, that will grate on your reputation as, as the president of basketball operations. So now it's like, it's go time. It, it is go time. I, I think, I think we're both completely hand in hand here that like Gerson Rosas is not a hero today, but my only pushback is I also don't think he's a villain. Like, I just, I think Fair. that, you know what I mean? Like it's just, this is part of business. And I, Anyone that thinks Ryan was, you know, again, dealt a bad hand, didn't have all the pieces that he needed. I think Ryan Saunders is a good coach. I don't think he's a good head coach, but he's going to land on a staff. He can go anywhere in college. He probably, you know, a lot of college teams, he's going to land with maybe Miami. I mean, you and Britt talked about how he was offered the the gig under Fizdale in Memphis. Like he's well-respected. He's going to land on his feet. He's a good dude. Um, But it, it came down to, it comes, it always does with this team, right? Like it comes down to winning. Ryan didn't win any pro sports team, the coach goes first. That's, that's how this hierarchy goes. And now to kind of sum up this first bullet point of like, now the heat is on Gers. Like at some point he's again, 664 days and not really any of those days. Did anyone hold his feet to the fire of like, Hey, remember you're supposed to try to win games. And now oh, the, yeah, wait- the, the whole narrative has been like, Oh, it's, it's coming down the road. We're doing things for down the road. And and down the road was never defined, right? Like, right, you know, and that just remained ambiguous the entire time. And I think this is people kind of stepping in the middle of the road and like, hey, we're here. Yep, we're here. We're down the road. <laughs> like, no, we're not. We're not. We're not nodding along to that anymore. And and really, man, that's what like what I'm sure is driving them crazy in their private conversations with the front office is Sasha Gupta specifically. That's the same thing they ran into in Philadelphia. It's the same thing where they had a plan, a process in place to cultivate something that would eventually work, but they couldn't fight. They couldn't fight public perception and they couldn't wait long enough to, you know, to, to, to see it come to fruition because patience is a virtue that most fan bases don't have. But I think that's probably a good way for us to segue into bullet point two of Chris Finch because kind of going like jumping from one ring of the ladder to the next from Gers to, to, to Chris is that the Philly thing, though, was like, yes, Sasha was there. They had a plan, you know, um, trust the process. But they also almost like embarrassed the game, right? Like they made basketball so unwatchable that like so bring it to the Minnesota perspective as the you know as a pulse of the fan base like Timberwolves fans did not expect a seven game series against the Nuggets this year they just want like you know what I mean and we've talked again we've talked about this but like if this team was 13 and what I don't know 19 or like I think everyone would be cool <laughs> I really do yeah. like if they were the 10 seed or the 11 seed and they're I don't know in the same spot as uh New Orleans and a game and a half back at Golden State like, that's fine but it would 
it had gotten so bad and and, and to the, and the right, way that, that they'd gotten there yeah, yeah like the way that they had boiled it down to the studs and again too like my last micro kind of defense of ryan is that like this has not ryan saunders name could be walt disney or it could be my own father but over at canis and you know this like we actually broke down how bad it was like joe holbert or holbert did like a great like breakdown of like this offense has no substance it is literally water it has no flair it has no taste um and that was the thing that was like okay you can lose without cat but when cat comes back and he still doesn't get the ball in the fourth or when Cat comes back and you don't score in the last three minutes and 40 seconds of a home game, like those are the type of things where it's like, I don't think the fans expect going to bullet point number two. I don't think they expect Chris Finch to get them back to the 10 seed by May. But can we see guys put in the right spots? Like, can we see Josh Kogi get confidence, but also not like lead the team in shots midway <laughs> through the second quarter? So that yeah. that'll be the thing. And again, too, if it doesn't work, then Gerst will probably be gone. But I think people just want to see some sort of – the only steady barometer we've had for the last month is losing and kind of getting our ass kicked, like, a lot. Um, and now we want to see them just, like isn't – hope- it, Isn't it great, like, that, that stat that starts floating around now? It's like, well, only one and eight with Cat back, but none of those losses have been by double teachers. <laughs> it's like it, – and. And it's, it's and again too, if you're not as plugged in, like obviously this is a full time gig for you, and I'm a degenerate. But like, if you watch the games, it's just, and you know, it's, there's just nothing happening in the fourth. Like, it, I think I tweeted this other day, but they're two and seventeen, I think, going into the when they trail going into the fourth quarter. Like that, that, that that's not helping anyone. And my my biggest my biggest frustration with Ryan was Jane McDaniel's had a game I think against the Magic was coming out party. My son Jane McDaniel's. And we didn't get to talk about that because it was all about Cole Anthony, right? Or Anthony Edwards, who had a huge game, or not a huge, well, he had a huge game against the Lakers, but he had that dunk the other night against Toronto that lit up, I mean, Nate Duncan turned this off, but he lit up Twitter. And we didn't get to talk about that either because, again, what did they do? They blew, a, they blew a game. They didn't score any points. So it's like, we're not, these young guys need to be classically conditioned that, like, when you do good stuff and we win, like, we win games and we talk about you and we, we post our stats on Instagram and stuff. And they just kept doing so many dumb things that didn't give any of these young guys any hope, <laughs> any reason to grow, any good like pat on the back of like, hey, you dunked hard, you gave us momentum, and we beat the Raptors. That shit didn't happen, and it had to ha- like this. This was the necessary move. It was ruthless. Well, and, I'm sorry, but it was yeah. it had to happen. And and so much of it was coaching, you know. I mean, yeah. that that's what that's what it really came down to was, um, you know, it was. What it was was a lack of execution, which, you know, I've been consistent on putting blame on the players for that, too. Uh, That's been a problem all year in late game situations is is a lack of execution of 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 place (laughs) like you're supposed to do X, Y and Z. And we can't get to why before cat set a moving screen. (laughs) Like, you know, you know, I'm saying there's countless there's countless examples of that, which are legitimately pretty rudimentary basketball execution things like like they're the, the things they haven't executed on at the end of games are things if we were covering the Minnesota Gophers that we would be you know harping on if we covered you know a high school sports team that we would be harping on they're basic basketball things that the players weren't executing on and that the the coaches were not making them execute on 
And I think, you know, some of us gave a long rope for that. Like, oh, it's a young team, blah, blah, blah. Youngest team in the league, if I hear that one more time. Like, you know, <laughs> we, we, you know, we gave, gave a long rope for that. But, yeah, like, I mean, the last two games, the last two games, the end of the rope for Ryan was – you had a, you gave up you gave up a, a lead and let the other team go on an eleven zero run in the last three and a half minutes of the game, and you went for a two for one with thirty one seconds left, and you got a shot off at twenty two seconds. It's inexcusable, inexcusable, you know. And then you get yourself in the same situation last night against the Knicks and a team that you know you would hope your coach and your best player have a hell of a lot of pride invested in executing and winning that game. And you don't, you know, you, you come back and you're in a position to win that game. And like, yeah, sometimes things don't go your way. You don't make the shots and you don't do this and that. But at the end of the day, you didn't execute enough to win the game. It wasn't wasn't like the Knicks were way better than the Wolves. They like they, they, the, the Knicks won that game and have won a lot more games this season because they execute better. Their players execute better and their coach enforces execution better than better than the Timberwolves do. So now I think there's a coach who, you know, we don't know. We've neither of us have ever watched Chris Finch coach a basketball game. So we don't know exactly what that's going to be like, but I think it's a safe assumption to to say that the execution should be better. That the, 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 from a coaching standpoint, you know, will be there. He will be more dynamic in, in, in how he handles things and in time should be getting his players to execute at acceptable levels, many levels higher than what this team has done for through the first 30 games. And that's not just two for ones at the end of the game. It's like, I'm interested to see how Chris Finch, who I'm sure over time is going to crunch through all this film and he's going to notice things like, well, Malik Beasley goes from being our best player the first 44 minutes of every game to the last four minutes of the game to being disastrous like he's gonna have to figure that out he's gonna have to negotiate the the situation of like okay Ricky Rubio kind of has to play for this team but does he have to play the whole end of the games how do we balance when Rubio's having a good game versus what we need at the end of games all these sort of things that's just coaching stuff and you know we can go on down the line two bigs at the same time Jaden McDaniel starting Jared Vanderbilt Nas Reed whatever all of that like those are all decisions that Chris Finch now has to make and I think it's a fair bet to say he's going to make better decisions in that realm than Ryan Saunders were making because I think a lot of the decisions Ryan was making were just straight up wrong. And and I think, like, we're talking about basketball, but not to fluff my feathers, but, like, you know, I went to graduate school. I have a master's. Like, I understand business. Like, there's a tight, reason tight, sometimes tight, tight, for tight. these hot – yeah, humble break. But there's, like, a reason sometimes for these certain positions, like – you have to have seven years plus of experience, right? Or to be this director, you have to have 10 to 13 years of experience. And I think that's really only my only real gripe with the great human and Ryan is like the lack of experience. Like you have no, I have no idea. I shouldn't even speak on this, but like you have no idea what it's like. I mean, you're at the games at least to try to coach the last three minutes of a basketball game. It must be like having a stroke. But I remember back a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember who the game was, but the Wolves were doing their Wolves thing again, blown a lead. And there was like this rebound and Rubio got it and everyone didn't know what to do. And Ricky turned to like the, the coaching staff and then called the timeout. You know what I mean? Like it was just a little thing like that, but it's like that, that's where your coach first Raptors game. Yeah. Yeah. And again, drink, 
moment, but like the youngest team in the league. And this is where you can blame Gersh, but like, I don't think you can mix the cocktail of the youngest team in the league and the youngest coach, because I think you just need the guy that has 16 extra years of calling timeouts or being on the bench that knows when to call the timeout when their team gets the rebound or like, and again, you said, Britt said this earlier on your pod from last night, but like Gersh now has opened up this layer of, you know, vulnerability where if eight weeks from now, the Jared Vanderbilt gets this rebound and takes two dribbles and then bought, you know what I mean? They don't call a timeout. Well, yeah. then the Ryan Saunders fans should be on Gers. <laughs> like, should be on, like, what do you mean? We just swapped coaches and this other coach doesn't know what to do. Like, do the players know what to do? Do the guys you know brought in? But I don't think it's going to happen because everywhere Chris Finch is either. gone, yeah. like, he, 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 he said something today. You tweeted a lot of good stuff, but he said something today. I don't know if you remember this, where he talked about, and this is why I think Gers had to make the move. He said something about, like, we need to rejuvenate the roster a little bit. And to me, that was basically like, there's a lot of people that think that the Timberwolves have a shitty roster. I'm a homer, but I'm not one of them. Like, I think they have a lot of good young players and some good vets, but when you don't put them in places to succeed, like if you go make me be an accountant tomorrow, I'm going to look like an idiot. And I think that's what was happening. I think these players, their value and Gers loves value. Gers loves treating these guys like assets is just decreasing because not only are they put in bad spots, they just look bad on a night in and night out basis. And I think that was interesting that Chris Finch, who definitely prepped everything he said, used the word rejuvenate the roster because that's kind of what his job, like he talked about making guys have fun playing basketball again. And I don't think that was just off the cuff. No, there were definitely, uh, there were definitely talking points there. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He was less awkward in the press conference, 100%. And I mean, like, we don't know him from Adam. Like, this dude, what also stuck out to me was, you know, he said this is his dream, you know? Like, he yeah. finally no, – I, I, No, I'm – like, It is. I'm, it's that, a bad time. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, what a – If you just take everyone's last name and family tree and everything out of this, like, just think about Chris Finch for a hot second right now. Everyone close their eyes. Think about Chris Finch, like – what a shitty way for that guy to get his first dream. You know what I mean? Like he's in his fifties. He's been waiting. He's been grinding. He Ryan Saunders is a lifer, but you can tell Chris Finch just chews basketballs for breakfast. Like he just loves this stuff. And he had to be thrown in an awkward zoom meeting while his (laughs) friend on the left just got peppered (laughs) by hiring questions. So I do feel bad for him and too with him. The point of this is, is that they, they can't go out and beat the Lakers in a seven game series on Wednesday. But he needs to immediately, and he talked about this, tweak some things. Like maybe Malik Beasley never closes a fourth quarter again. Maybe they identified that that dude just cannot defend well enough to be an, a, you know, an average you know, plus-minus type guy. Um, he's going to make a couple tweaks, and it might just, on a linear path, like just elevate it to a whole other level. Where if the Timberwolves simply don't blow these huge fourth-quarter leads and win the rest of those games going forward, that's kind of all people want, right? That's all people yeah, want for and, these next 30 games. And I think it's I think it's more nuanced than that. I think it's how can I tweak what New- Malik Beasley is doing in games so I can have him close those without it costing us the game. You know, yeah, to take yeah, that yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we and we can yeah. and we can go down the line, but that's, you know, that's I guess part of coaching is deciding who's on the floor, but you know, more than anything it's it's putting in an infrastructure for how those people who are on the floor act. And, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm really, I'm really interested to see is 
I mean, this, you know, I think you said there was no flavor to the water. That was the Wolves offense this year. And I think, you know, I think that's true. And I was, I was somewhat, you know, dismissive of that when it was, once Cat went down and I'm like, oh, this team's just horrible. Like, yeah, it's a lot of DeAndre Russell and everything else is bad. They're down by 20 in the first quarter of every game, whatever. Like, I didn't think that much of it, but when, when the water remained flavorless, once Cat got back here for these past 10 games or whatever, that was a pretty big red flag. And, and I don't think Ryan was able to decide even just the most important thing, which is how are we going to use cat? He's our, <laughs> he's our best player. You know, how are we going to use him offensively? And, and cat too, didn't seem to have a sense of urgency to the notion that like he needed to be used more and better in, in those games. If you wanted to win cat just kept talking about and talking about, well, it's the defense and this and that, like the offense will, will figure itself out. Well, the offense didn't figure itself out. Like, so look at the game since you've came back, like, we could have done this better. We could have done the offensive side of the ball better. So, so I, I am interested to see what those tweaks are. I think with Chris Finch, we will see things that are more deliberate. This is how we're using Carl Anthony Towns. Like, you know, last year, yeah, go back to the beginning of last season, it was so deliberate with how Carl Anthony Towns was going to be used, right? It was that five-out offense, every single possession. It's delay action with Cat up on top, and he's basically just the quarterback of the offense right there. He's... He's creating from there, and maybe he's rolling up somebody down into the post occasionally. But but you knew what you were gonna get. It was it was specific, and and defensively, it was it was dogmatic. But it was you know it was a deep drop, and it was it was specific. It was it was doing the same things over and over again. It was just which is the definition time of insanity, been, by the way. Yes, <laughs> you know what I mean. But I I should say though I I I don't want to be the person who's talking out of both sides of my mouth. I'm also the person who specifically on defense has talked about the need for diversification, right? Right, 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 right. And I believe they need to be a diverse defense. I believe they need to be a diverse offense. But there's there's a difference between being diverse and just throwing shit at the wall, you know? And that's kind of that's kind of what it's felt like, at least offensively, I felt in in this time that that cat's been back or just nothing did seem to really stick so that they could go this stuck last game let's go and do it again you know the next one and i think i think chris finch is going to start stapling stuff to the wall i guess is what i should say and i think i'm gonna try to one of my 2021 resolutions was to be more self-aware so i'm actually gonna walk it back a little bit i'm gonna like i said i'm gonna apologize we can say ruthless we can even say premeditated um but the the, 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 as i said timberwolves handled this the only way they could messy rachel nichols Sam Vecini, John Hollinger, they all had takes today. None of those takes, while they said, wow, the Timberwolves really handled that the only way the Timberwolves could, right? They they had their coach lined up seven minutes later. None of those takes included that Ryan Saunders didn't deserve to be fired. There were takes, John Hollinger did a pretty big write-up that was like, this was the worst kept secret in the league, not because of how long it's been going back, but because, or I think maybe Sam Vecini said this, like the Timberwolves did nothing and like had no plan in the fourth quarter I think Vassini said it was like the easiest bet in the world to just bet on the Timberwolves blowing leads. So, I mean, like, while Ryan was done dirty and I cop to that, because I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't care who's here anymore, but he was done dirty. People around the league were salivating at the opportunity to play the Timberwolves because these, they're telling their players in the third quarter huddle, if they're down 10, they're down 12. Yo, it's the Timberwolves. We're going to catch them. Like, chill out. 
they're going to stumble on the way to the finish line and break ankle and we'll catch them and we'll win. And that was, that's a terrible mindset for a bunch of young guys to know that like when the Lakers are up 12 teams are just like, well, shit, they're going to execute down the road. They're going to get to the line. It's over. No team had any fear whatsoever. Even if they only had seven and a half healthy guys, like the Hornets of losing to this team, because they knew those coaches that do understand basketball way better than us. They knew that if they just kept the foot on the gas, they were always going to catch the Timberwolves every single night. And to me, that's like a backbreaker. You have, and Chris Finch is going to let that happen. And if he does, he's got to go to, okay. They got to keep kicking guys out until they figure out a way to close games. But I think Chris Finch is going to, he said something today about, you know, like letting, letting the guys play. I don't think he lied to you, but I think he was, I think he was trying to say that he's going to put a soft structure in place, but it's going to have much firmer metal walls than what Ryan, who was probably a player's coach had. I think down the end of the games, they're going to go offense to defense moves against the Milwaukee Bucks than we saw in the last 10 games combined. You know what I mean? He might take Rubio out, put Jordan McLaughlin in. He might take them both out, make Ant a point guard for one play. Like he is going to micromanage those things because the whole synopsis of the state of the Timberwolves is they now have to start winning and they have to start winning going forward. They have to. And I think that is that is the interesting thing because Ryan really did have he just seemed to really stick to a plan, right? Like, this is my rotation, you know, I'm sticking to it. And that is what we're going to learn about Chris Finch is what his plan is, how strictly he abides by it. And then, you know, just structurally, what is his, you know, what is his concept plan? And, and you just kind of alluded to it. I asked him a question today. I want to talk about that topic specifically, um, what the offensive plan is going to be. But let's first, we're getting a little long into this. Let's take a break. What's up, everybody? We have something to tell you about here at Blue Wire, and that is that we love sports betting. And whether you've been betting for a while or you're thinking about getting started, we want to let you know uh, great resources for sports bettors, and that's the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up, for an Action Pro, Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. You can see money and bet percentages on every game. You can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of Pro Systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the way to get started. For a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code MORE50, M-O-O-R-E-5-0. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code MORE50 to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. Okay, so Kyle. The thing that I have, and now this, whatever, it was, you know, 20 hours of, of time since Ryan was fired and, you know, Chris Finch takes over and I start you know, thinking about the Timberwolves and start looking into the Timberwolves and talking to some people about Chris Finch and this and that. And the one thing that really stood out to me on a super basic level is just um, 
the disconnect between what I think we have all decided the Timberwolves identity is going to be and what Chris Finch's identity has been his entire coaching career as an associate head coach in Toronto and New Orleans and, you know, getting back to Denver and, and Houston as well. And, and that is that we've decided that the Timberwolves identity because they have Carl Anthony Towns and DeAndre Russell, or for as long as they have both of those players, is going to be a team that has an awesome pick-and-roll pairing, and that is going to take them to the promised land, to a top-ten offense, maybe even better than that down the road. That, right? I've said I've said those sort of things. And that's kind of what I, I was... That's what I was... If this is going to work, it's because, you know, you have this great Cat and D'Lo pick-and-roll pairing. The catch here is that and if I can accept one idea in this podcast that people just put into their head about who Chris Finch is, is that he is not a coach that slows down games enough to be reliant on pick and rolls. Pick and rolls are a slow developing action. And, and because of that, it is not his preferred style of play. We will not, the identity of this team, I will bet on it right now, the identity of this team's offense will not be a high pick-and-roll two-man game with Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. It just won't because if that is the case, it would be a completely divergent tactic from everything, every offense Chris Finch has ever really been a part of. You So Dane asked a really good question on the on the intro presser. Um, and while Chris Finch, again, put in a hard spot, kind of acted like, you know, a vanilla wafer didn't really want to say too much. What does he even know, really? Like, he hasn't met with me yet about all the player nicknames and stuff yet, so he has a lot to catch up on. <laughs> but you asked him that about pick and rolls, and I think he actually gave the most emo- – he was like – he basically gave Dane a nah, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you were like, you guys know pick and roll. He's like, no, like, that's that's not really – you know what I mean? And not that it was a dumb question, but just kind of like, no, that's not really what we're going to build this whole thing on. And I was, like, kind of blown away because I was like, oh, he, he clearly isn't going to do what we thought – he was going to do because that's that's what I thought. I thought Chris Finch is coming in and he's just going to run, you said, high pick and roll 52 times a game with Carl and D'Angelo Russell. And then, you know, G League Viper space the court and jack all these threes. And he was adamant about that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> and it isn't. It isn't because if you go back and I mean, and you can look, you can look at this year where we're in Toronto and they are. 24th in frequency of pick and roll possessions. You can go back to New Orleans the year before that, and they're 23rd in pick and roll frequency. And you can go back to the year before that, and they're 27th in pick and roll frequency. They are not that team. And and Chris Finch is very clearly on both New Orleans and Toronto, the offensive quarter. He's the coordinator. He's the associate head coach. And those teams prioritize playing fast, and in isolation. And obviously, there's m- way more intricate things to get into here, but we're talking about day one right now. And the thing that people should know is that Chris Finch's teams are going to run run the hell out of the ball. They play a ton of possessions in transition. And, and when they get to the half court, they rarely slow it down enough to to rely on a very slow action. That is a pick and roll. It is going to be based on ball movement and it is going to be based on penetrating and kicking. It's going to really, be like, what, it's going to be like what you watch in the Knicks game, but the complete opposite, right? Cause I think that <laughs> they said that Knicks led the league in like 
shots that were taken with four seconds or less on the shot clock. Like it was a Tibbs thing, right? But they grind you. That's not what, and, and so to piggyback on that, and this is me just being a fanboy asking. Well, and the Wolves fall, fell into that, right? The Wolves, the Wolves were like, oh, Nick, you're trying to grind it out? Bet. Right. <laughs> we're going to do that too. <laughs> yeah, I see, I see that grind and we'll go to two seconds left on the shot clock. But no, I think the interesting thing, if we're trying to talk about basketball, which is why, again, like regardless of who coached the team, it's just going to be really fun because we haven't, up until Cat came back, we haven't really been able to like, take a game and throw it in a blender right and just like really grind down basketball tape it's been one random injury covid situation after the other and i think now we're going to really get for the next couple months to talk about basketball but i ask you this as someone who knows way better about basketball um that's going to be interesting right like that they want to play hella fast and because when you say the word transition i get in the fetal position because i think transition defense and the timberwolves play (laughs) day after new year's eve type transition defense you know what i mean like la fitness type bunch of hungover guys and girls just that's how bad they are transition defense so if they're going to start picking the pace up even more is there going to be like a one of the chris finch tweaks on like hey remember to get back on defense because that would be helpful because they can't up their pace by 1.5 times multiplier and give up 60 points in transition every night otherwise people are going to turn on him real fast Exactly. No, I, I think that, you know, that's a necessary, you know, thing to address if you are going to be, you know, be playing a, a faster pace of game is that you're going to have to pl- a faster pace of offensive game is you're going to need to adapt to be able to play a faster pace of game defensively. And quite frankly, it's why I don't think this will work very well at the beginning, I because I think he's certainly going to try and impose that identity of playing fast offensively. And I think right now they just have a roster of personnel who is incapable of effectively playing in transition and, and matching up. They're poor at communicating. They just don't do it. There's, it it's, it's actually incredible to watch. And, and honestly, it's something so basic as you can just pull up the highlights um, from a previous game. And any time the other team scores, it's usually a massive dunk that comes from the fact that, like, Wancho Hernan Gomez is like it takes him six seconds to get from one side of the half court logo to the other and his man sprinting past him, you know, it's it's stuff like that. And I think that's going to still probably be a problem, but it is going to be the identity that is going to be the identity of this team is they're going to push the pace. I mean, Chris Finch was yeah, yeah. on the well, he was he was with the Pelicans um, in New Orleans for, for three years before I went to Toronto last year where he was the associate head coach and offensive coordinator. And in those three years, they were fourth, second, and first in pace. And that first year, they had Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins on their team, both starting. So they are a, by hell or high water, we are running because we believe that style of offense as a whole, that vibe that it comes with, will lead us to playing better in the rest in the rest of our sets. And now did that have a ton of success overall with the Pelicans? No. And so to me, that even just asserts it even more that they were like, they were here. Where is it? They were, they had the seventh most transition uh, possessions that year. And in transition effectiveness, they were 29th in the league when they're playing in those. So like out of points per possession, they weren't even good at transition. They just did it all the time (laughs) because Again, by hell or high water, they're going to do it. So it would be such, it would be so shocking 
if the Wolves didn't go back to that. And really what I think fans can look at or expect is that it's going to look a lot like last season. Ryan Saunders changed it up this year. Last year, though, last year, Ryan Saunders coached a lot like Chris Finch coached from, you know, from a a concept standpoint, which was being more heavily reliant on isolation, um, playing fast and occasionally getting into, you know, half, you know, the half court game and running ball screen actions when they had to. That's that's what I think people can expect to come. Well, another thing that we can expect, and this is just a gorgeous way of us transitioning, but he he made again these these, these every press conference that people like this do are are so calculated. But he made such an emphasis to talk about every as Gers has done for six hundred and sixty four days. Everything revolves around Carl Anthony Towns, right? So the next peg in our state of the Timberwolves is. is he was adamant about everything has to center around him. And it's interesting that that comes up, you know, just like even off, like without being asked, like he just wants to emphasize how much Carl, this whole thing is going to build around him because as you and Britt talked about, but like, you know, last night, Carl says all these things about legacy and stuff about winning. And then less than 24 hours later, he's got a brand new head coach that's using his name. So I think for, for cat, I guess my question for you is, is how, do you like? I mean, not do you believe that, but like, do you, don't you think this is such a dumb question? I'm such a blogger. Don't you think it makes a lot of sense to just re- give Carl the keys to the offense because he they talked a big game, but he didn't have the key to the offense. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of games where you look at a third quarter box score and he's fourth in shot attempts. So it's like. like is, is that going to be Chris Finch's first move? Is like, hey, Carl has to get 20 shots. It doesn't really matter. I mean, like, I was the guy that unlocked Jokic. I had Zion stuff. Like, I have to get Carl unlocked, and it's going to be by force-feeding him 20 shots a game in all different spots. But that's my first tweak. Carl shoots 20 times a game. Because Carl's not always shooting 20 times a game, man. Like, the game we talked about against uh, – what, what game was it that he didn't have a fourth-quarter shot? Like, that, that stuff can't happen. I think Chris Finch has said today in his press conference, I am going to make sure that this dude gets fed – before I, I figure out anything else. Yeah, and I, I think what's interesting about that too is it's like, as it pertains to Ryan, it's like, why did you stop doing that? You know, because last year, Ryan went all in on the offense through Cat. I mean, the offense was Cat. Cat was everything. And so, so part of me wonders how much of it was, you know, how much did Cat not want the offense to totally run through him? You know, the, these these past ten games, and he just I don't know wanted to take it slow back or focus on defense or this and that. Like, I feel like this was the first game against the Knicks where we really saw Cat be assertive offensively himself. It's not like in the some of those games, or I'm blanking out what game it was where he didn't get a fourth quarter touch, um, but. He had chance or did a fourth quarter shot. He had chances in that game to take the shot too. So part of it is going to have to be for Chris Finch is just to convince him to be like, yo, if you got like any sort of daylight when you're like out, you know, on the perimeter and can take a three, like take it. He, he's going, he's going to need to push the, the envelope there for Cat to go and do and be more like he was 
in the 2019-20 season at the beginning when Cat was having his best offensive year of his career. Sorry, we're kind of yeah, breaking up. Almost like this weird mantra of like, almost like this oh, weird good, good. mantra of like making the right play is it making making the right play isn't making the smart play. Almost, you know what I mean? Because like Carl has always said the right stuff, done the right stuff, and maybe just that's the tweak right in his brain. Just like as you said, I want I want I want fans to take one thing away from this. Maybe Finch says for the next month, I want you to take one thing away from this. You're a, you got to be a killer. Like you, you know, if, if there, you think the right pass is that extra pass to the corner, I'm okay with you just shooting it. Right. Because at the end of the day, right. he's the most gifted shooting big of all time. Um, so while there was a play against the Knicks where Carl made a great play, passed it to Jaden McDaniels in the corner for three, it was like a minute and 10 left and Jaden missed the three. It was the right play. I'm sure a lot of coaches would say do that over again. But maybe for now, with a bunch of guys around Carl that aren't the best shooters outside of like Malik, maybe Finch is just like, hey, you know what, dude? Just take another dribble. Just pump fake. Just just do something because I want you to be – if we're going to win or lose, I want to win or lose on the back of you, not always making the right play. Just do the smart thing and be cat. Be, you know what I mean? Joel Embiid's not always making the extra pass. Jokic is a fantastic passer, but at the end of games and closing situations – those guys get paid what they do because they got to eat and maybe that's it. So I think, I think you answered it, but I just, I think cat is going to be rejuvenated here. Um, and I think it's going to turn, I mean, can you, can you imagine another level for Carl? Because I think after he put the COVID behind him, he's last this last week or so, I think he's just looked phenomenal, not defensively, but like he just looks and he's got his shape back, his strokes back. Like I just, I think if yeah. Chris Finch can, because you know, what's funny too, is we talked about this once in the state of the Timberwolves, Carlton Towns like isn't on the Joel Embiid spectrum right now, right? Like, remember when we talked about Joel Embiid and Jokic and all these other bigs that can do all this stuff? Carl's not there. And granted, he had a lot of shit go on in his life, COVID and all these things that prevented him from playing. But all those other guys graduated to graduate school and he's still a senior, like an undergrad. Like he's not on their level. He's not the number one guy you want to build a franchise around. So I think that's what I mean, Chris Finch is. Based on production, for sure. Right. Yeah, so no, it, it, that's the job of, of Chris Finch as it connects to Carl Anthony Towns is to put him back in that conversation. Right. And, and, you know, and, and how do you do it? And I don't know, you bring up some things there at the end of the game and it's like, you know, we're kind of having the KG conversation again. Should he not kick it to McDaniels? Who's wide open in the corner? Like, ah, eh. right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm with you too. I would rather have cat take it, but you know, sometimes there, there's, there's some of that and you kind of want him to be more assertive for sure in general, but but then at the same time we, we kind of do this thing where we're like, well the most the best thing Carl Anthony Towns could possibly do is commit to the defensive end and bring defensive energy every possession. Well, if he has been bringing that defensive energy and some of that has been has you know taken away from what he's been able to do offensively, are we doing some of the having our cake and eating it too thing? Like maybe maybe at some point it's just unreasonable with Cat to assume that he can both be a consistently engaged defensive player and thus above average defender and be super awesome offensive cat because I mean straight up he's never done that before has cat ever had a half of a season or more than a couple weeks where he's both awesome offensively and defensively no so yeah we can we can be wishful that that might come, but that's part of the, that's part of the calculation. If you're, 
if you're Chris Finch too, is like, what do I want cap prioritizing? And with Ryan, he had cap prioritizing defense. And I'm just really curious to know if that was Ryan's choice or if that was Cat's <laughs> choice. Yeah. Because Cat certainly wanted to prioritize defense this year. He, he very clearly, he said it time and time and time again that he wants to, you know, he wants to dispel this notion that he's a bad defender. That seems to be like his main goal of the season, honestly. And, and you know, if anyone is listening to this, like to build on my point or to actually puncture it, like Carl did get that touchdown late in the fourth quarter on the block against Taj Gibson. He just kind of rimmed it out mm-hmm. because I don't know, man, the franchise is so cursed that literally balls have to go through the net, touch the ground and then be autographed by the player that shot it for it to count. But I mean, so, you know, so in that case, like, yeah, the towns is not only does towns need to get the opportunities, he also has to deliver on them. But I just, I think as we go down this, you know, from Gers to now Chris Finch and now to cat, um, you set it up with Brit and you set it again to begin this, like, this is the window now, right? Like I, I, it's hard for me as an optimist or a Homer or apologist or whatever to see another window of this, you know, like it just not, I don't, he said great things on Sunday night about his legacy. People that we talk to seem to think he really does love like being a Minnesota Timberwolf as crazy as that sounds, but if they don't figure out a way to finally elevate this guy because he is now a mile or two behind in the race, behind Jokic, behind Embiid, behind guys that he was on the exact same playing field for a long time. Um, that That's kind of like my barometer for other than wins and losses, like sure. figuring out if this is going to be successful. You got to have Cat back in that, that, that tier of guys that he used to be in. He's not, I mean, they, I can't remember who did the player rankings, but he was like, 30th or something like that's two years ago he was ninth or 10th like that that can't be the thing yeah it's uh you know it'll be it'll be interesting with that and I think Finch will be wise to prioritize him all the best teams do when they have a player of that caliber who can be that good offensively they do but the, the the question here that is trickier than it is in Philadelphia or in Denver is that all the Wolves next three best players, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Anthony Edwards, they're all guys who they get paid on scoring as well. That's what they prioritize. So I, it's going to be interesting to find out how can Cat be the center of everything we do, which Chris Finch made his stated goal yep. today. How can Cat be the center of everything we do while also, you know, giving enough to – to D'Angelo Malik and Ant because even in these few games and they have even without D'Angelo it hasn't been enough with Malik and Ant that's already been awkward just Malik Ant and Cat hasn't worked and obviously it's early all this and that but that's going to be a hell of a task to to you know provide water to four thirsty dudes who are who are trying to get up shots so I mean maybe let's for our last thing let's just kind of clump D'Angelo Malik and Ant together there and you know, what's the state of them now that the state of the team has changed? And and let's lump them together because I think it's safe to say that they're all going to be here for a while. Like, and by while, I mean at least another year, right? Like, I don't see Malika's on a good contract, like, despite what John Hollinger thinks, like, he's, he's balling out of his contract. Ants a rookie who has a lot of potential and then 
I just don't think you move a guy like D'Angelo Russell, who you at some point, Gerson Rosas, who, if you want to, you know, throw him under the bus a little bit, is still going to have to pay the penance at some point of that first round pick. This isn't one of those situations where it flips into two seconds or it disappears. Like at some point, Gerson Rosas is going to be signing the paperwork to give a team a first round pick, whether it be this year or in 2022. So um, that's why I think you and I are lumping them together. But I don't know, man. Again, our basketball knowledge is on different hemispheres, but I just think watching so many late games or things like the Wolves would just run a, an action, and then if it didn't work, it was just go go get a shot. And I would love to see if they, you know, if Malik, if they can, re- Malik Beasley has been playing like less energized lately too. You know, I think he's just was succumbing to Timberwolvesness. Um, but I think if they can get I got Malik, some thoughts on that though. If they, if they can get Malik, well, then go. Like I say, if they can get Malik more engaged, he's not the yeah. same player right now that he was those first 20 games of the season. I thought, you know, if it was if the Timberwolves were normal and Cat didn't start talking about his legacy and then they fired the coach, <laughs> I thought I thought Malik, who spoke before Cat did and obviously before Ryan was, co- or was, was let go, um, Malik started getting asked, uh, you know, asked about the game and about <laughs> the amount of shots he got. Or, or 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 his involvement in the offense. It wasn't an incriminating question, whatever. And and he just said, "Next question, please," because he couldn't he couldn't answer a question about his shot selection, you know, without complaining about it. And and what's so concerning to me, and like Malik only shot six shots in the game. You obviously want Malik Beasley to be shooting more than six shots in the game. That was his season, though. That's bad. But it's like, come on, Malik, you played in the game. The Knicks strategy the entire game was top locking you the entire time. That that they're denying they're denying pin down entry the whole time. That was that was their goal. Like I don't know if people get this or not, but the reason that Ricky Rubio went off is because there was nobody fucking there. Because they were top locking Malik on on the the perimeter. So he could just drive to that side and it's like, okay, I'm gonna come down the lane and do one of my little layups where I don't even really jump. Like Ricky Rubio had a good game because of the way Malik Beasley was being defended. But after the game, Malik Beasley is pissed about only getting six shots. Like, we're dealing with a dude here who is 100% selfish. 100% selfish when it comes to shot selection and, and, all of the, and all of these sort of things. Like, this is, I'm just, Malik's been awesome. He's been so good at basketball this year. But if we are not seeing these breadcrumbs that are trickling out around along the way where Malik thinks he's the best player in the team. Do people not get that? Like Malik Beasley thinks he's the best player in the team and they're constructing a team that's trying to make him the fourth, fifth, maybe the sixth man. Everyone wants to make Malik Beasley the sixth man. You know who doesn't want to be the sixth man? Malik Beasley. Like the most, go ahead. You're the, the most, the most, oh, this is bad. We're just talking about basketball with NBA star Malik Beasley. The most, incriminating basketball related thing he has said this season was after they played the Pacers and he said some quote about Malcolm Brogdon doesn't really look like a good shooter or something. And was like, it's like, dude, Malcolm Brogdon is a killer, like 50, 40, 90 guy. And Malik was like, yeah, you know, he doesn't really look like a good shooter, but he'll surprise you. And I was just like, wait, hold on. Surprise, surprise me. I was like, I not a lot surprises me. And one of them is definitely not Malcolm Brogdon being good. So, so then again, you know, chicken or egg, like it goes back to the young team, which I know you don't like, and the young coach, like 
maybe that's one of the tweaks with Malik. It's just like yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's got to be an there's an opportunity here. That is a job. I'm just saying that is going to be a job for Chris Finch to convince Malik Beasley to operate within an offense where he is not the king. Like he's like a wide receiver. You know what I mean? Like he right. he runs fly routes. That's a good analogy, right? Yeah. He just at, he just, run, sometimes, he just runs fly routes. And they and, yes, also, and sometimes also receivers the get like them. three targets in a game. Yes, exactly. Right. You know what I mean? So he's he's a wide receiver running straight flies, um, great shape. And they're the you know the 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 Chiefs are just putting a safety at the top. They're just dropping a safety back twenty five yards. And Malik is just running these sprints. He's like, God damn, I can't I can't catch I can't get open. And that's what Chris Finch has to do now, right? Like that's every if he if Chris Finch takes every player and gives them one tweet, maybe Malik's is that. Okay, you kept running the same, you know, sprinting around the three-point line and Reggie Bullock. And again, the Knicks did a great job of. It of, isn't an X's and O's things with Malik, though. It is. It is if they are giving all that defensive attention to you and you are a pin-down guy, a spot-up shooter, then the what you do in that game is you let them glue two guys to you and you go stand up in the upper quad or you space out. That's just basketball because then things are going to be open, like. If you and and if you want to be more than that, Malik Beasley, then you need to become an independent creator, and you need to be a ball handler. You need to be a pick and roll player. You need to be somebody who can isolate. You're, he's not used but, like that. But Chris Finch, as we're talking about his resume on LinkedIn, like he had JJ Redick and Malik. JJ Redick aren't the best comps, but like if Malik can, oh, just that's a very that, good comp. I would say those are very similar comps. Just a good gravity of pulling. You know, like you said, like he pulled the defense and stretch them all out Steph Curry light. And that's how Rubio could literally go up for dunks if he wanted. So if they can continue to just, as you said, their tweak with Malik is like, Hey, you got to keep doing what you're doing, but look at how much it's helping your teammates. And then if he's like, well, I don't give a damn. I got a post on IG that I dropped 30. Okay. Well then we're gonna have to have a conversation <laughs> about that. But for now it's just convincing him that, you know, cause I, yeah, he, he next questioned a question that was really just like, you know, I, they did a great job of defending me and I, I couldn't really get open. And I was trying to make plays for my teammates. Like you can't say next question to like, Hey, what would you like for lunch? Like you can't do that. It, you have to have an answer for that. Well, I think it's that he doesn't know uh, uh, that he didn't, you know, he doesn't, you bring up JJ Redick. And I think JJ Redick went, if he, if he is, if the team is guarding him with two guys out on the perimeter, he is like, wow, this is a win. Because now the rest of my team gets to go play four on three. That's what I think goes on in JJ Reddick's head. He goes, my gravity is working. I'm opening up all these different things, you know, for my teammates. And, and I don't, at least I don't think we've seen it play out yet. I don't think we see that in Malik Beasley because he also, he wants to have the gravity. He wants to get all the attention. Plus he wants to take the shots. Well, you can't take the shots if you're a pin down guy and you catch the ball and you just shoot it because Pascal Siakam is going to block the shot and then he's going to go dunk it. Like, I, it's funny we've moved into Malik Beasley when we're talking about the others when he's probably fourth on this, you know, on the tree for the Wolves down the line. But I think in a weird way, that might be the biggest undertaking is the guy who's been the best player on the team this year, as weird as that sounds. One of the best sports photos of all time is Anthony <laughs> Edwards dunk. And Malik Beasley calling for the pass. And Malik Beasley 
while Anthony Edwards is 10,000 feet up in the air on a Delta flight about to murder someone, Malik Beasley has both of his hands up begging for the shot. That props to you. That, as Chris Finch will now listen to this, and we are giving him a play-by-play, that is Chris Finch's homework for Malik Beasley. You got to connect mentally to that guy because the Wolves, the Wolves got, you know, they've already, in, they've won the trade a la in terms, they got a better player than they shipped out. Like they paid 50 cents and they got a dollar. Malik is a, is a good hooper. He can hit threes. You know, he, I'm not trying to make super comps with the Reddick thing or like Clay, Clay Thompson in terms of offensively. He can just come off screens. He doesn't have to have any room and he can hit threes, but you have to now get him to that next level of, what happens if you're not getting a lot of shots, but you're still pulling the defense to give Carl three more dunks a game, or you're pulling the defense to give Ant a runway to just crush other dudes. So yeah, that, that, that would be the Malik. I, I wouldn't say Malik is the biggest project because as we go into this other lump quick, if we wrap this up, like I think the biggest project has to be D'Angelo Russell because from an investment standpoint, not only are you paying him a max contract, but forever as long as he's a timberwolf you'll have that stigma of it was you know it, it d'angelo russell's playing less less good than andrew wiggins and you gave up a pick so the unlocking d'angelo russell unlocking brooklyn all-star d'angelo russell is the project and you could argue it's ant because he might be the future but for now these next 18 months it's unlocking d'angelo russell that's like unarguable yeah i, I I'm, I'm with you there it's just interesting how that's you know, not going to happen here for at least <laughs> right, right. a month or, or, you know, a while. But uh, it, it was interesting to hear Chris Finch talk a little bit about, you know, D'Lo today. And, um, you know, he, he acknowledged you know, scouting him and the, the playmaker he was when he was uh, in college. And, and also said that he kind of acknowledged, too, that D'Angelo's fallen off a little bit, saying we need yeah. to get him back to being the playmaker that he was. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what that looks like. And, and probably it, if this is all going to work with a bunch of guys who in ways mesh well, but in other ways, you know, have a lot of questions. I mean, I, I think D'Angelo Russell working here is going to be about Chris Finch fostering a really good environment, a really yeah. good basketball environment yeah. for them. Yeah. And, and I mean, it hasn't been it hasn't been a very good ba- it certainly hasn't been a very good basketball environment for DeAndre Russell and it's also been kind of rocky from a not basketball environment and just you know the players and the people and the personnel and how the personalities all mesh and that like that I think you know and now we're up into the existential and all that sort of stuff but I'm curious to see how Chris Finch tackles that because I think that's a big part of the DeAndre Russell conversation is Where's D'Angelo Russell at in his head? What buttons can I press in D'Angelo Russell's head to make him be the guy that I know? Yeah, it sounds cliche. Make him be the guy I know he can be. Like, I think in Hollinger's piece, he said, like, he's got a light of fire under D'Angelo Russell's ass. But first, he has to find out if there's still a pilot light in yeah, there. You yeah, know? that was. Which is like, I don't know. I mean, that it's not unfair. It doesn't seem unfair at this point. I, I think what we're saying, too, is not to you know my analogies, but like the, the Chris Finch just can't come in and just give everyone more of the food they love, right? Like some of these guys, if Malik, if Malik Beasley just loves red meat, like they have to give Malik and convince him to like eat some broccoli. 
Like you got, you got to do some things, right? Like Anthony Edwards, it can't just be all about steak and potatoes. Like we got to have you do a couple that, and that, that's the thing is Chris Finch isn't just going to come in and give everyone extra of what they want because Ryan Saunders couldn't do that. No, this coach needs to come in because some of these players, while very talented, are kind of broken. And you just said it with Malik, but like D'Angelo too, like he's kind of withered away in terms of how he plays basketball, where go watch when he's at his peak with Brooklyn. He doesn't have a lot of those flary assists, right? He doesn't really be, he's not playing the game in a very exuberant way. Um, he definitely has right. it in Minnesota. And that'll be another thing. That'll be the, the task for him is to be like, find a way for D'Angelo to make plays for others while also having fun again, playing basketball. And I think, and again, kind of when, what Chris said today in his, in his press conference was, you know, rejuvenating the roster. I think that's some of the stuff he's talking about is getting these guys to have fun playing again by teaching them that the things they enjoy about basketball isn't necessarily leading to winning, but you can have more fun Malik Beasley getting four extra rebounds and taking six less shots, but we're going to win three games in a row for the first time since Gerson Rosas took over 664 days ago. Right. So <laughs> that'll, that'll be, that'll be the challenge. And then of course, as we just call, well, but, but Kyle, you're, you're also assuming in part of this, that what the most important thing to these guys is winning. Mm, mm, mm. Not assuming that. Cause I know, I know as a big Instagram freak, there are a lot of players on this roster right now. Again, close your ears, Dane, that are young, but man, do they love posting and reposting what their stats were. Man, it doesn't matter if they didn't score three and a half minutes against the Raptors in blue game. I got 28, six and four. I'm going to post that shit on IG in my story. So that'll be another challenge for Chris Finch is getting through to these guys of like, you know, yeah, but at what point are we just doing this where we're like, oh, this is another challenge, and like, go get them, Chris. I mean, at to, to at some point, part of the state of the Timberwolves is assessing if these tasks we are put that are being put out in front of Chris Finch are in fact conquerable. And and I think Chris Finch could be a great coach. And and a lot of the things we're laying out here are not things he's going to be able to correct but i don't think i'm betting on the idea that he's going to be able to make small tweaks to cat and to malik and to d'angelo and to ant and to the system all all in all i don't think i'm not sure any coach could weave that all together which has me thinking that i don't think this is ultimately a new beginning i think this is the beginning of another rewiring I don't think this is the roster. I don't think this is the group. And if Chris Finch is coaching a team in the playoffs next year or two years from now, a Timberwolves team, I just don't see how it is Cat, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Malik Beasley as the four best players. I can't see it. And I know you're going to hate Bro, that. You're the optimist, but I'm Bro, just being honest. you just me. I haven't had dinner yet, and you just totally punched me via Zoom. I mean, no, I, I don't, I don't disagree. Do we with that. not I don't just disagree. talk that through? I mean, like, how, no, no, how no. do you disagree with that? I'm not that you do, but how could you disagree with that if you agree with everything we've just been saying for the past 20 minutes? Like, this doesn't I, I make sense no. with Malik. Malik can't defend. D'Angelo can't defend. Ant is not defending yet at this time in his career. Cat, our assumption is to be a good defender, has to cut into how good he is offensively. Like, 
I'm sorry, that doesn't work. But but those oh, but, are but, four one-dimensional players. Okay, so those four one-dimensional players and Chris Finch, those are the five people in my hand, right? Who has had the most sustained success? Chris Finch, right? Like he has unlocked Jokic. He has done these things. So I'm not saying you can't just be like, well, Chris Finch unlocked Jokic. So now Carl is the unicorn again. Like I'm not yeah, saying that. And I'm saying I'm saying to take that example when he, un- you know, what they had to do to unlock Jokic? They had to trade Nurkic. Right, right, right. But so we're, I think we're saying the same thing now. But my point is, is that if 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 he if Chris Finch is I think Doogie called him a offensive mastermind, right? If if he comes in here and is that, and it doesn't lead to winning, or it still has these moments in late games where you're like, you know what? Maybe you know Jared Smith had made a career out of just not having a lot of late game basketball IQ, right? Then again, as we let's, to wrap this up and we go to the beginning of this pod then it's on Gers, right because then it's showing you that chris finch is actually getting through these guys and some of these guys just aren't winners some of these guys just aren't willing to make sacrifices and then i'm okay I, now i'm right. speaking and, your and, language and 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 i don't know that you don't know that no, we don't no, know that no, no, no. i'm just saying you know the, the or i'll just say the way i work as as i'm i look at things in likelihoods <laughs> you know and is this more or less likely you know to happen and I go through these things thing by thing when I look at, quote-unquote, problems with the Timberwolves or if you want to look at it through an, a, a nice light, opportunities to the Timberwolves. And I say, <laughs> what, what are the odds that they take advantage of this opportunity? Opportunities around Cat, opportunities around the defense, opportunities around Ant. And it's just hard for me to look at this and have watched everything we have and to say, yeah, now that we remove the coach who wasn't a very good coach that were those opportunities have now moved to the green. I don't, I don't think that was the only problem. I think, I don't think that Chris French coming in and being aces as a coach solves the bigger problems that face this team from a roster construction standpoint and from a salary cap standpoint there. They can't add to this group, man. They can't add to this group. There's no free agency next year. They're a million dollars away from the luxury tax. So without going full Larry Coon on me here and telling me things about numbers, my, my, my point, my counter to that is if it doesn't work, right? Because Chris Finch is the guy now. Chris Finch is going to be here, I think, through Rosa's tenure. If it doesn't work. For sure. Wouldn't that make I'm, – I'm, I'm, both my hands are in the air. I'm, I'm not in this, this debate one. Wouldn't that make you want to have the guy who is ruthless and premeditated to then <laughs> – to then figure out that we got Carl on board, yeah. right? Carl, Carl said all the right things and he loves how we treat him. And there's not a big market for Carl, not because he's not good, but because the LA teams don't have picks and Brooklyn where he's from in the New Jersey area, they don't, they're, they're done. Right. And he's not going to want to go to OKC where they do have the picks. He's not going to want to go to another team that has Houston that has all the picks. So well, Carl, Hey, if Carl, if Carl wants out, no, 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 no. Gerson's not going to say, hey, why don't you pick your place, buddy? No, 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 no. Like, what, I'm, what, what I'm saying is, though, is this the idea that Hollander said in his piece that the clock is ticking on Carl. But all of the in this specific moment today on the 22nd, all of the big spots that you would think Carl would go. He loves L.A., right? He's from New Jersey. All those all those houses aren't for sale right now. Like they're built to win now. So for Carl, I'm just trying to, like, counter your point here of. I think I am naively thinking that D'Angelo Russell is just here, right? Because it's Carl's friend and they paid this heavy price to get him. 
up until last night when my phone blew up, I thought Ryan Saunders was Carl's friend and they axed him. So if this Russell thing doesn't work, don't you want the premeditated guy that's just like, yeah, I know we flew you on this private jet, but you're out of here and we traded you for two, three and D guys that make this work because we unlocked Ant and we unlocked Malik halfway and Carl's now playing like a unicorn. So, oh yeah. If that opportunity is there, Christian Rosas will absolutely take it. He clearly is not going to prioritize, you know, relationships and personalities and stuff if if there's a better move out there i mean i say this all the time if he can get a dollar and two cents for a dollar he's always going to do that and you can talk about that in assets you can talk about that in adjustments you can talk about in all things and i think quite frankly you got to have that mentality to win if you're if you're a president of basketball operations in the nba today particularly if you're doing so climbing up a hill that's full of ice in minnesota like that's he's gonna have to come down to, to making some of those decisions. In, so in the Avengers, the last movie, the Avengers, this is such a nerd out, but there's this, you know, Dr. Strange does this, like holds this up as one finger. And like, there's this one iteration of 14 million simulations that work. If Gers really knows that he has Carl, right? Like up until last night when Ryan was fired, I thought DeAndre Russell would finish his contract as a Timberwolf because three days ago, Carl was talking about how much he loved Ryan. And now he's talking about Minnesota legacy. And just like that, snap of the fingers, Ryan was gone. And Carl seems on board with it. If that happens again, where the, the Beasley piece works and the ant piece works, but to get to the, over the hump, they got to get rid of D'Angelo. I think Gerst and Carl have both shown now that maybe their bond is tighter than any other friendship bond on this team. And they could get rid of Russell. So just, just that's just a push back on like, yeah, I don't know, man. No, I don't think any basketball mind thinks that this team is going to be able to win a second round playoff with these your four best guys being Beasley, Edwards, Russell, and Towns. But if Carl Because they be- don't fit. Right. But if Carl's if Carl's better than he is now and they yeah. figure out a way to unjam Malik Beasley, who's oh, yeah. going square peg round hold these last two weeks, and they get enough out of Ant or Russell, then you flip the other guy, right? Because I'm with you. This isn't the roster that they're gonna win a playoff series with. That that is just my that is just my point. I'm very excited to see how Chris Finch handles it. It's gonna be interesting to see how he uses cat, but I just as the analyst quote unquote in me looks at this, <laughs> I don't, I don't take in this change and, and feel that the wolves are certainly on a better path than they were. I think they've upgraded their coach. That doesn't, that is it's the furthest thing from me from guaranteeing greener pastures and i'm a big vibes guy that press conference had terrible vibes i think there's bad vibes around this team right now and that doesn't guarantee anything's going to be terrible you know that this is it and it's all everything's over none of that is guaranteed i'm just saying it's an uphill battle they got (laughs) that is finch has to be awesome rosas has to be awesome and cat has to be awesome so when the, I don't know if teams still do this, but when they make those season recap DVDs that they sell, that is Dane's just going to have that quote on the front. It is an uphill battle. And I will just push back because the press conference today that everyone can now watch on YouTube and stuff was awkward and had not a lot of energy. Um, but you know what had a lot of energy was that trip to the Bahamas. And you know what had a lot of, <laughs> you know what had a lot of good vibes? The D'Angelo Russell press conference. At no, the it mall. didn't. No, about- I'll push him back. That that is not the good energy I'm talking about. We're talking. You know what we're talking about. Different things right there. You know we are, Kyle. 
Okay, so but my, that's my, not the good energy you're talking about. You're just trying to make you're making a point with that. But the Bahamas and had good vibes though. Everyone had a good time in the Bahamas, man. They reenacted some Top Gun scenes. It was awesome. But no, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like I said, but this all goes yeah. back to the state of the Timberwolves. In conclusion, like it, Ryan Saunders was done dirty. The roster is what it is right now. But we think at what a bare minimum, it'll look 25% different come I don't know summer or, or fall of 2021 or whatever. Um, but this late, the Timberwolves prior to last night were going nowhere. <laughs> like they weren't. They were just so dead in the mud that they couldn't even put on respectable performances for a fan base that has the lowest bar possible and the Timberwolves couldn't touch it. It was literally on the ground and they still couldn't reach it. Chris Finch gives hope in the sense that I think the basketball gets better. I think the product gets better. And I think a couple of the players get better. Chris Finch is not a wizard and is going to make everyone's 2K rating go up seven points. That's not going to happen. A couple of guys are going to get burned in the rotation. A couple of guys are going to go down. Okay. Maybe Jaden McDaniels, like, I don't know how weird this be like, what if he like loses burn the rest of the season, right? Like maybe he gets not a lot of opportunities, but I think having a good, I mean, Chris Finch is probably the best coach they've had since Tibbs. And before that, like what Rick Adelman, like, mm-hmm. I think the, I think the players are in the best spot now. And that was my biggest argument with Ryan. I don't think they were I, put in good spots. I a hundred percent agree with that. I a hundred percent agree with that. And, and again, that's why I'm excited to see, cause we haven't seen if it is true that Ryan Saunders is not an NBA level coach, then this team for two years, some of them for more than two years, three years has not been able to show who and what they are. And which would be, we don't really have any idea about any of these guys because they haven't been properly coached. And so, you know, if that's the case, we're about to learn a hell of a lot um, over this last. And I mean, there's a lot of season left. We've got more than half the season left. Like, I know it's weird where it's saying mid season. This is early season. Ryan Saunders got fired at the beginning of the season and Chris French got bought, brought in at the beginning of the season. This is year two of the Gerson Rosas regime. And Chris Finch is going to have coached the most, the majority of the games that season. So it's like, it's happening, you know, it's happening and we're going to, and we're going to see how it plays out. I'm just saying for me, cause I'm not as positive of a person as you, I'm uh, tepidly pessimistic about, you know, about how these things all, you know, weave together. Not because I'm pessimistic about Chris Finch. I think Chris Finch is, if I had a bet, I think we're going to be like, damn, this guy is a really good coach. Like, I think that is going to be the vibe around here in a couple months. But with that, I think is going to come a collision of how does this all fit? Reality. Yeah. It's, it's honeymoon phase. And I'm, I fall for that every single time, like just Charlie Brown every single time. But I think, I think if you watch the games as closely as you and I, and so many people of this fan base still do, I mean, they're the worst team in the league behind the Pistons. And I still think there's a lot of people that, closet tune in every night like that's what's so awesome that's why i love what i do because the fans are awesome but i just think that they're just that we you couldn't do what you were doing anymore and we always kind of thought that gers was going to make a coaching change like that's this yep. kind of like weird secret but we always thought this was the next step so this step might lead to nothing and i'll just be a miserable human until i die but this card was always going to come and I think the reason I feel re-energized and rejuvenated is because it happened. 
right? No, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to take away. I'm not trying to. It's take not going to happen this summer. Them, it's not. You know, I mean, like they're gonna they're gonna get. Who a tra- knows? We don't. We don't know. They're they're gonna get a 40 game sample size now of training camp, basically, to try to iron some of this out, and that feels good because at the end of the day, the Raptors game, the Magic game, the Knicks game, they however vibes you felt it was today in the new coach. Can you imagine what the vibes were before that? Like it was okay when dudes are no or next questioning basic questions. I don't think the vibes could get any worse. I a hundred percent agree. I a hundred percent agree. It was checkmate. It's been, <laughs> it's been bad the whole time. Uh, he's Kyle Tige. Um He runs canishoopus.com. Um, he's the editor in chief there. They do a terrific job of. Uh, of covering this team as well as any of the of the blogs do. Um, if you don't consistently go to Canis to, you know, to just follow the inner workings of this team, um, I would definitely recommend doing that and following Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Tige, which is spelled really weird. So just you know, just guess it's fine. Find just, it just yeah, just find it on my Twitter. Just you know, follow. I'm not, Dane. I'm not even gonna spell it. Just, just follow Dane. Just follow me. It'll be it'll be on there. Uh, seriously, Kyle, thank you for doing this. Um, I'm sure we'll talk again here um, in the next weeks or months about just. Yeah, you know, what were what were our you know half awake minds thinking on February twenty second, the day that Chris Finch came on? Because you know, it's gonna it's all to be determined. I I hate because I appreciate you having me on, and I hate because offline, online, in person, off person. The one thing you got to know about Dane is he's usually right, and <laughs> um. So when he says some of these things at the end, uh, I feel sad. I will get some Chick-fil-A and cheer myself up. But again, I think just from a fan's perspective, um, I you make a great point. This is my last, it's not greener pastures, but it's changed. It's different. And, yeah, and, 100%. And as Britt said, that doesn't mean shit. Um, it doesn't mean anything. We could see all these guys traded and fired and whatever, but it was untenable watching the Timberwolves play basketball the last couple of weeks. And if nothing else, Tuesday against the Bucks, even with no practice against Giannis, <laughs> I think the basketball is going to look better. And you and I are basketball, just drug addicts, and we just want to watch good basketball. So, that's 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 my closing statement. <laughs> I will be back after that um, drug dose of the Milwaukee game on <laughs> Tuesday night. We will see what uh, yeah what the first Chris Finch game has in store. I'll talk to you then. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it all so you can find me in the crowd, yeah. yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody